Bible tells us you are a chosen race. Now as I was reflecting on these five, six words, there's so much in them. And there's actually so much that is current, that is relevant, is actually controversial. Because race is one of the major talking points of our culture today. I don't know how many people have been following the American, saying the election, it's a step before that, the nomination process. And this has become one of the central battlegrounds in that. Of course, you've got now this, this chap um, who's beloved in Aberdeen, Mr. Donald Trump, who's campaigning for the White House, and I think that's primary reason to do that. So if we stick windmills up near his golf course, he can uh, just get rid of them with his um, missiles and co. But that's just a theory. But he's campaigning, and one of the things he's strongly doing is arguing on the grounds of race and what they're going to do about what people perceive to be the concerns and worries. And in a lot of cases, he's just simply expressing things that some people would be saying. But he's saying, of course, on a mainstream stage, where actually some of these things perhaps shouldn't be said. What fascinated me was beyond the fact that this man claims he has this, this vibrant and active Christian faith, is the fruit of what he, he says. He has been promoting all this stuff. I don't know how many people have managed to watch on Facebook some of the videos of the rallies where you have um, people being punched in the face, where only, I think, was it two nights ago, one of the rallies had to be shut down due to safety concerns because of the the protesters and those that were for the rally ended up on the streets and there was police bleeding and it was just chaos. It was not something you would see in what we would term as a civilised society. There, I watched one video and there was, and it was, I think it was on a college campus and there was a young black girl trying to make her way probably from one class to another but happened to walk through the protesters and she was hit, she was abused, she was pushed. All this stuff being pulled up by what's happening. And this will impact here because it's on our news and it's raising questions that we have to wrestle with. In fact, even Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, has gotten involved now and, and he has said, I was listening to this on Radio 2, that to be worried and concerned about immigration is not racism. And he's right. I believe he's right. But what really concerns me is what he could be doing instead of commenting on the political situation that we find ourselves in as Brits. He could be guiding Christians as how they engage with this as part of the chosen race. Helping us as Christians to find more in line with what the Bible says about us and what we might think about our culture. So this morning we're going to be looking at this whole concept of being part of this chosen race. 
And I'm raising a lot of the issues that we have because as Christians we are called to be salt and light. And part of that means how we respond to the issues around us. And this is where I think guys at Justin Well we have a key role because one of the things we should be doing is instructing the church on how it thinks and how deeply it reflects on how, how Christianly it responds to the issues that have suddenly become the hot potato issues. I once played, and this was partly just tongue-in-cheek, an Apple video from many moons ago, but it ended with the phrase, think different. And I think that applies to us as Christians. We're called to think differently from the world around us. That's because we're called first to be part of God's people before anything else. So this morning there are three points, shockingly. The first of these being, and I just want to actually unpack just for a second, what is race? If I asked you the question this morning, what is your race? What would you tell me? I have to confess, I had to Google what's the difference between race and nationality. It turns out there is a difference between the two, but I probably would have said, if somebody says, what's your race, I would probably meant Scottish. It's not right, it's the wrong answer. As it turns out race is a phrase which transcends borders. It can be defined by the colour of our skin, for instance. That goes around the whole world. It can be defined by many other things. But race is the right word for here. And I know that some people's translations probably have people. People is not the right phrase for here because the Greek here is about kinship. It's about almost family. It's about belonging to something. People doesn't really pull that meaning across, but if you understand race rightly, it does. It's about belonging to something, being part of something, being identified with something. So we are part of this chosen race. We belong to something which transcends our nationality. It transcends whether we're male or female, as Paul said. June or Greek, male or female. It transcends all of that stuff and tells us that we are chosen. Now of course when you think of that you're going to go straight if you, if you have a good understanding or even a very limited understanding of the Old Testament you'll go straight to that because there was God's chosen race. And Peter of course was one of the strongly Jewish Christians. He knew exactly what he was writing when he says these things. That the Christians are drawn into something. Now whether he was saying we were part of Israel or whether he was saying God is doing something new, he doesn't elaborate here, but what he is recognising is that God has done something remarkable with those that are followers of Jesus Christ. That's us this morning. And we are part of what he terms as a chosen race. Now you might wonder, is why I'm going to talk about predestination this morning because the word chosen is used here and that is the word for elect. No, I'm not. Much to my relief. Because I don't think that is actually what Peter is wanting us to wrestle with here, is the mechanics of how you become the chosen race. What he wants us to grasp is the fact that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are part 
of that chosen race. Hang is not the key issue. Race is powerful. And we see that throughout our history. Our history is scarred with tragedy because of intolerance on the obvious grounds of race. Even today, we are still scarred with tragedy. Maybe not so much in this country, or in an obvious way. But I know a gentleman who is a Jew, and he can't walk in Aberdeen with his, the, the thing on his head, sorry, slip me what it's called. Somebody please tell me what it's called. The, the cap on his head. Skull cap. He can't walk in Aberdeen with that on his head without being either abused or sometimes even physically assaulted in this country. So anyone that thinks we don't actually have issues with these things, sadly, we do. They're just better hidden. We might think that we can watch, for instance, all this stuff happening in America. We see how many people, I've lost count, how many young black men have been shot by the police in the last 18 months, for instance, in America. I've lost count. The protests that happened because of that. Race is a huge thing. And sadly in our culture, race is used as a mechanism for division, for judgment, for hostility, for fear. And we as believers in Jesus Christ are called to transcend all of that that we've inherited as we grew up in the world in which we live in. To become part of this chosen race and then take on its identity and thinking and ethics and principles and how it responds to those who it would define as other than them. Race is one of the many things, many things that, I mean, I think we as human beings are actually quite tribal. We get ourselves into all sorts of different little tribes, things either that may be hobbies or interests or focuses and to become part of our identity. And I think part of that is because when we do these things it fosters a sense of belonging. If used well it can foster a relationship of banter with those who would be part of different views. For instance, I know we have many Dundee United fans in here. They'll be remaining quiet just now. <laughs> we have many Aberdeen fans in here. They're a bit more jolly because they won yesterday. We have, for instance, I'm not going to mention another football teams because I make it booed. <laughs> Point made about <laughs> tribalism. Um, we have lots of different ways in which we split. And we, we, we could take on these, these tribal elements. Even technology is one of them nowadays. And you may not believe that, but it actually is. So for instance, let's try a wee survey here. Stick your hand up if you have an iPhone. Right. Look around. Well, we peek. Right? Now, stick your hand up if you have an Android. That I can guarantee, and I know it because I looked at certain faces, that as soon as the iPhone hands went up, those that were on Android would have 
maybe a tongue-in-cheek little quip that they could make. And as soon as the Android hands went up, folks like me would definitely have a tongue-in-cheek quip that we could make. There are lots of different areas where we can become tribal about the most remarkable things. And technology is one of those things. Football is another one of those things. There are umpteen of the music bands. For instance, you have like One Directioners, and then you would have people that have a very specific view of One Directioners. You have those that like Justin Bieber, and those that know better. <laughs> really should stop saying that. All sorts of different ways in which we can become tribal, and it does create this sense of belonging. But what we need to grasp as Christians in this in the small little statement made by God's word is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are now part of this chosen race and that lifts us up, or it ought to lift us up from all that other stuff. And it asks us to think different. It asks us to review all the stuff the world has taught us about how we view those that we consider as part of other races or perspectives to our own. And ultimately it tells us even to love our enemy and to bless those that persecute us. We are called now into power of this chosen race. Now I think I've lost count already over the amount of times I've used the word chosen. Quite a lot. So that's point two, chosen. Every single person I think has a deep-seated need to belong or to feel that we belong. Race feeds into part of that. Tribalism feeds into part of that. The football teams we support feed into part of that. Or the phone that might be in our pocket will feed into part of that. But all of us have this need to feel that we belong. And we get that from multiple different spheres. We should get that from our spouses, our families, our friends. But we also seek it in our interests, and in our hobbies. In multiple different spheres of life, we want to feel that we belong and if we don't feel that then we struggle if we don't feel that in church for instance if we don't feel we are part of a community a people we will struggle and likely drift away we all have that need to belong I want to give just a couple of demonstrations of this from my childhood the first of these being fashion now, when I was at school, there was two huge crazes at high school that I can remember. The first of these was um, everyone had naf-naf jackets. Now, nowadays, I really wouldn't work because the word naf means something very different. But that was the craze. Everyone had to have one of these jackets. I didn't get one of those jackets. But everyone else had one of these. But then came the be-all and end-all, the huge beacon of fashion for my generation. And some of you may actually remember these. It was the Adidas tracksuit bombs. No, it wasn't the proper ones. But it was the ones that had the three stripes, and then there were a couple of little bits here. 
and they, they, these sort of couple of colors, they came in different colors, so you could have lots of different sets of these if you wanted as well. But these were what you must have. If you wanted to be cool, you had to have these trackies. That was one of the things that was used to foster a sense of belonging and who was in and who was out. My parents couldn't afford those trackies. Not until they became uncool and went in the sales. <laughs> then I had them. It was too late by then. But fashion is one of these things that makes us so blatantly obvious. The whole and the right and purpose of fashion is to get as many people wearing the same things as possible. And part of how that is done is to create this sense of belonging, of shared identity when you wear whatever it may be. And technology is another blatantly obvious example of this as well. As I said, I got everyone to raise their hands about who had an iPhone and who had an Android phone. Now I feel bad because there might be some people with Windows phones. Stick your hand up if you have a Windows phone. There we go. Excellent. Well then you carry on that fight. But what we have in our pocket also communicates what people might perceive us to be. So for instance, and I'm using these generalizations very extremely, so please don't take offense on either side. If you have an iPhone, you might be considered free-spirited and artsy. If you have an Android phone, you're generally considered a bit more of a geek who knows how to fix things that like to break a lot. <laughs> but people take different views when we, when we look and what, and what we pull out, even all our pocket. There is a sense of buying into something when you select a mobile phone. Yet again, companies tapping in to that need for identification and belonging. It goes not just to what we wear, but actually to what we stick in the pockets of what we wear, to what we buy. I still will never understand car adverts. Apparently there is a psychology behind them. They're obviously trying to sell me something, but I ain't buying whatever it is because I don't know what it is they're trying to sell me. But they are trying to tell us something. So when you see the Land Rover tearing across all the different mountain scenes and battering through the water and all these different things, it's trying to communicate something that people will want to buy into. What does being part of the chosen race of God communicate? And what are we revealing to others that would make them want to buy into it? Part of that is how we live and act and be when we're sent from here on a Sunday and we hit Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and we find ourselves in the mix of all the different hot potato issues that go on. What are we revealing to people about what it means to be part of that chosen race? How it alters our perspective? Because the reality is things do alter our perspective. They do alter how others perceive us. 
And a very obvious example would be if you go into church one day in my Rice Krispie car. So you go into work, sorry. You go into work, you're driving in my Rice Krispie car and everyone sees it and hears it. People think, okay, right? Start judgment, perception. Next to you driving in a Mercedes, you're going to get a very different snap judgment and perception. Or you drive in in a Rolls Royce. Or let's go extreme, let's say a tank. <laughs> Every single one of these would change the perception that people make. It's what we do, who we are, what we wear, what we have. All of this creates perception. And it's all marketed on this need to belong. But what being chosen tells us is that this need to belong that every single human being has, that we all have, can finally and fully and completely be satisfied as being part of the people of God. Because as part of this chosen race, there isn't a need to belong. You do belong. And there is no question mark over that. Because we don't belong to this chosen race because of the phone that's in our pocket or the car that's in our drive or the clothes that we wear or whether we could get the naf-naf jacket or not. We belong to this chosen race because we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are here at the request of the King. And he will not retract that. Because nothing can pluck us from his hand. That is his promise to us. Here, as part of God's people, is where we belong. And we needn't ever doubt that. Because the Bible tells us it. And black and white feelings can cast shadows over these things. People can cast doubt over these things. Because what God does is calls broken people in, to live with broken people. And sometimes that means less than ideal things happen. And we've all experienced that. But what we need is this deep foundation which is there which tells us simply we are here not because I happen to like the people in front of me or behind me or at the side of me. And sometimes even if that's, a, if that's our spouse, that could be true as well. But fundamentally we are here because we are believers in Jesus Christ, which makes us part of this chosen people, and this chosen people expresses itself in the church. Here. Up there. Something going on up there. Lots going on in the town, throughout this country, throughout this world, you have God's people, this chosen race, gathering in multitudes of different languages, expressing itself in multiple different ways. But fundamentally, at the core of all that is this people that are invited by the King and there because they have faith in Jesus Christ. I think how badly we all, I, need to grasp hold of the fact that in church, being part of God's people, this chosen race, the belongingness is without question. It doesn't need evidence. It's fact confirmed by the word of God. This is where, 
that belongingness should be met in every single human being throughout the course, throughout the whole of this earth. And this is one of the things that we need to take into the world as well as part of this chosen race. That we are accepted by God and by one another. We are invited by the King. Our place confirmed by that King. And we fight on as a people. Sometimes, sadly, we will fight with one another. But ultimately, we fight on and encourage one another as followers of Jesus Christ. So what is race? We are chosen. And finally, what does it mean to be the chosen race in the world that we find ourselves in? What does that look like? To function as salt and light in the different places that God will send us to. I think one of the key things is it means we have to know our identities in Jesus Christ. We've covered that now for many weeks. We've spoken about being loved and accepted and forgiven and reconciled that God is building us into these living stones. We have to know our identity. Let it seep deep into our heart and let it become the foundation on which we engage with the world or a good part of that foundation. We are chosen race not by arrogance and condescension and looking down on others, but by being but by allowing this chosen race that we are part of to be perspective changing to make us think different. And to recognise that all these old tribalisms ought to fade away. Now I felt reasonably safe bringing up some of these tribalisms this morning. Be they football, be they technology, be they fashion, whatever they may be. Because I believe that we know that these things need to fade. And what needs to really grow and deepen in our minds is part of who we are now in Jesus Christ. Peter got this. And we see that in verse 11, which we will hit in a couple of weeks. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He understood that this chosen race is exiles on earth. Our destination is a kingdom which is here in part but still to come. We are on that journey. But being exiles, being part of this chosen race, means that old tribalisms have to fade away. And that means us questioning deeply how we respond to some of the stuff that was around us we'll be discussing when it comes to race. All these different things that we encounter, we have to think outside of all the different things that the world will hit us. Like if you pick up a newspaper is going to have a headline that's going to try and communicate something to us. Something that wants us to believe or believes we do believe and therefore we'll buy it. As Christians, we've got to be very cautious of all these different things that are hitting us all the time. Now more than ever, because our phones vibrate with notifications right, left and centre. We go into BBC News, we're hit with stuff. We go into Facebook, we're hit with stuff. We put the TV on, we're hit with stuff. How much of the stuff are we questioning in light of the fact that our first allegiance 
is to the kingdom of God. And from that, working to a place in which we engage with others, we have to do it. We have to. If you're going to be salt and light, this is so important. And as we do this, we step in line with what Jesus asked of us, that we seek first the kingdom of God. That's not just about our minds or our time or our priorities. It's about our thinking as well. About letting the kingdom of God seep into everything that we are and shape us. We're all called onto that. So my encouragement to us all this morning, make this part of your identity that you are part of the chosen people of God. That you belong. And that because you are part of the chosen people of God and that you belong, because you know Jesus Christ is and have faith in him, boy oh boy, you have a lot to offer a hurting, broken, lost, desperate, seeking world. What is our advertisement to it? My prayer for us all is that being part of the chosen race, that people of God manifested in our lives, it would be an advert that would prove irresistible to those who don't know Jesus Christ. We would see people impacted by us in coming to know him as Lord and Saviour. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, above all, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy that we are part of your chosen people, not by merit, not because we deserve it, not because we ever could earn it, but because of the faith that you've given us. It means we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. I pray, Lord, that for all of us, we would get an ever deeper sense of belongingness to your people, to you. And that this ever deeper sense that we have would impact, Lord, how we think, how we live, and what we advertise to the world around us as being part of your people. Fill us with love, with grace, with mercy, and with joy, because we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand.